Okay, I want to go back to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. And I'm going to try to keep this pretty short, because I know everybody's got tons of stuff going on. So, uh, shouldn't be more than a couple hours. So, <laughs> like an old pastor friend of mine said, he said, you know what it means when a preacher puts his watch up on the podium? He said, that's right, nothing at all. That's what that means. <laughs> Matthew chapter 1, back to where we were at the beginning of the service, verse 18. And it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary came, uh, was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, the son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call her the name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the Lord, angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, and until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Lord, thank you for this day, this season, this time that we remember and recognize the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of controversy that goes on during the Christmas season. You have some on the Christian side who want to argue about the fact that Jesus probably was not born on December 25th. They want to argue about it was in October or possibly September or some say April. And my thought is, if you were to adopt a kid from Africa, out of a tribe, and you got that kid and nobody had a clue when that kid was born, what do you do? Just not celebrate it at all? Forget it, kid. You don't get any birthday. Sorry. We don't know when it is. I would much rather recognize the fact that Jesus Christ was born because of the significance of that, because of what it means. It's not a, it's not a biblical holiday, feast day, such like that. But it is. I don't think there's anything wrong with recognizing that our Savior was born and the purpose and the reason that He was born. On the other side, you have the Grinches, the atheists, who are mad because their neighbors have, you know, a nativity scene on their lawn. I saw that in the news this week. Where How does that make national news? Because a neighbor wants to be an idiot? If it's on my land and I want to put a nativity scene, what is that to them? But they're going to fight about it and argue about it. They don't want that. The religious aspect. We have people arguing that you can't have Christmas decorations in a public setting if they have any religious connotation. Isn't it funny that the forefathers had no problem with that stuff? You know, the guys who wrote the Constitution? They had no problem with it. So there's controversy that goes back and forth and arguing over all of this stuff. But I want to bring out something today that will ho hopefully help you out. We have a lot of influence going on today to discredit Christianity. 
to make us look foolish for worshiping God. They think that it's crazy, that that's pie in the sky, it's an empty faith, it's, it's silliness to worship God. I believe it makes absolute sense to worship God. And here's why. One of the, probably the most um, substantiated historical events in, that you can, you can study would be the, the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is one of the most documented historical events that has ever taken place. We don't argue, we don't question other historical events that have far less proof and evidence of it. We don't argue and say, no, that didn't really happen uh, just because we don't like it. The, the, the fact that Jesus Christ's birth and his life, his death resurrection is so well documented gives some credibility to what we believe. It should give us some faith in what we believe. We also have to realize that there were many, and I've, I've read anywhere from 32 to hundreds I've never actually gone through and counted. But let's say that there's dozens of prophecies in Scripture about the birth of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ. It is widely substantiated through prophetic message. You remember when Herod was freaking out and you know he was worried about the Christ child being born and he asked, the Magi, the, the wise men, where's he going to be born at? And they immediately went back to Old Testament Scripture. They went, they went back to Jeremiah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, to Micah. He went back to Micah. And it says, Thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth had been from old, from everlasting." There was a prophetic message clear back in the book of Micah that Jesus Christ was going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, I saw a statistic one time, and I couldn't find it, and I don't remember what it is exactly. But when you start putting multiple, when you start putting three or four or five historical events that are prophesied, and they come to pass, the, the mathematical odds of that are incredible. I mean, it is amazing, the mathematical odds that that a couple of prophetic messages would be fulfilled in one person. You're all asleep on me today, aren't you? You're thinking about all the food at home, aren't you? (laughs) But Jesus was prophesied clear back in the Old Testament, thousands of years before, where he was born was prophesied. That's significant. But then also, when you have the, the Herod, he's slaughtering these children slaughtering thousands of children because he was so worried, so fearful about that Christ child being born that he, he orders a slaughter of the children. We think that's mind-boggling today of something like that happening. But that, ha- that was prophesied clear back in the book of Jeremiah where Jeremiah 31 speaks of that very thing where, where Rachel is lamenting because her children are lo- no longer because the Bible prophesied. So there's two events right there that were prophetically called out in the Old Testament about the life of Jesus Christ. The birth and, and his time frame and his, and his time where he is brought to earth. Now for, for two, two events to be prophesied and come to pass are pretty significant, pretty amazing. But that's just some of them. There's many, many things. And when you look at prophetic events in, in Scripture, I want you to understand something. 
Jesus Christ is the only religious figure in all of history that was prophesied beforehand. Joseph Smith wasn't prophesied. Uh, Mohammed wasn't prophesied. Uh, David Koresh wasn't prophesied. You can go down the line, Confucius, whoever you want to talk about. There were no prophetic message saying he's going to be born here. He's going to be born at this time. He's going to be named this. He's going to come out of that place. Nobody else had those things in their life other than Jesus Christ. We, we realize because we have a prophetic uh, timetable, prophetic message, and, and, and a precursor to Christ, how significant that is. When they talk about your Bible as, as foolishness, as silliness, let them explain how dozens and dozens of prophecies about the, the risen and, and born Savior, how that could ever come to pass. Clear back in Zechariah 9.9, the Bible prophesied that Jesus Christ would enter Jerusalem on a donkey. Clear back in Jeremiah or Zechariah, and clear back in Psalm 41.9, it said that he would be betrayed by a friend. And clear back in Zechariah 11.12, it says that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Clear back in Zechariah 11.13, it says that the money would be used to buy a potter's field. These are all prophecies about Jesus Christ that came to pass. Let somebody try to explain that away. The Bible tells us, clear back in Daniel 9, 26 and Isaiah 53, 8, that he would die a sacrificial death for his people. And clear back in Isaiah 53, 9, it tells us that he would die with criminals, but yet he would be buried with the wealthy. And clear back in Psalm 16, 8 and Isaiah 53, 10, it tells us that he would rise from the dead. This is all prophecies that were fulfilled about the, the birth and life of Jesus Christ. Clear back in Psalm 22, 1 and 8 and 18, it says that, they would, uh, that he would say certain words on a cross and that he would be mocked and the people would gamble for his clothing. Now, can you imagine anybody else that many prophetic things coming to pass? That, that, that many things predicted thousands of years beforehand. Now, I've heard him argue and say, well, Jesus just, uh, he, he, he backdoored all of those prophecies. He, he came in and, and, and he realized that he, you know, he was born in the right place, so after that he just tried to fulfill all those things. You know how silly that is? <laughs> you, you can't fulfill the pro- those prophecies on the, in the back door. Those are prophetic messages given to God's people. This book is real, folks. And when you're out here in the world and they're trying to tell you that what you believe is crazy and it's silly and there's so many mocking us today and there's so many trying to teach our children that religion is foolish and silly. I don't even remember but some crazy show we were watching the other day. They, they can't help but put it in there. And they, they basically said in the show that, that, uh, that man had advanced to the point where religion was no longer necessary. What? But see, that's the mentality that's being pushed today to, to our people, especially our children. That they think, well, when you get smart enough, you don't need a God. 
You don't need a crutch like that when you get intelligent enough and when you're advanced enough. It, that's for weak people. What was that Barack Obama said one time? Uh, the, the angry people holding on to their guns and their religion and such. That's kind of the mentality that, is, that, that people carry today. That they're stigmatized for just carrying the faith that we have. But our faith makes sense. God prophesied it and it came to pass. Now what was the significance 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to earth in a humble manner, the Savior of the world, the God of all creation, and put on humanity to die for our sins and conquer death, giving the hope of salvation to all who turn from their sins and believe on Him. One day He will return in judgment and He will not appear as a seemingly helpless baby, but as a risen, glorified, sovereign Lord and Judge. What is the point of Jesus coming to earth? Jesus came because we needed a Savior. This was a fulfillment. I got into this some last week. When you go through the Old Testament, you have this religious structure that was put into place. The sacrifices and the feasts and uh, the the many, many rules and ordinances that they had to follow. and, And all of it culminated in the birth of Jesus Christ because He didn't take all those things and throw them away. He took all those things and fulfilled them. He made them complete. He completed the law. We have a lot of people throwing the law away today. The law is just as valid today as it has always been. Jesus Christ did not do away with the law. Isn't that what he said? I did not come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. Jesus Christ is the sacrificial lamb. He is the feast of Passover. He is the the fulfillment of every one of those things. He fulfills those things. I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about the law and how it stands today and the thought just hit me that if everybody in the world somehow quit committing murder, good luck with that, but if they did, would murder still be illegal? Absolutely. But it would have been fulfilled. That law would be fulfilled. There would no longer be a need for that thou shalt not kill people because people quit killing people. That's what Jesus did. He fulfilled that thing. He made it complete by His presence, by His birth. And He made it possible for us to walk victorious in this life. And He provided a means of salvation for us. That's what He did. So, what does that do for us? Well, we know that gifts were given unto Christ. And from that, people have been giving gifts to one another ever since then. It has gotten out of hand. It's crazy nowadays. And Black Friday is complete chaos. And people get trampled and beat up and, and such for, you know, it used to be a Tickle Me Elmo. That was a couple uh, decades ago, right? Yeah, I don't know what it is now. Seems like every year or so the, the toy companies create something that gets everybody all freaked out and they want to kill each other to get that thing for their kid. That's not what God was trying to do when, he, when the idea of gifts being given. What are the gifts about? The gifts are recognizing the greatness, the gift, the gift that was given. And we do that in a sign and a significance of that gift that was given in Jesus Christ. He is that gift. And when we give a gift, it should be in remembrance of that gift that we are that we were given, that great gift that was given for us. Jesus Christ, the Redeemer and the Savior. So what can I encourage you to do this holiday season? 
never let it slip. Don't let football, don't, don't let apple pies, don't let turkey, don't let crazy family members, don't let anything else distract or take away from what Christmas is all about. And what Christmas is all about is that Jesus Christ came to earth, walked on this earth to show us an example, lived a sinless and holy life for us, the only one to ever do so, and He finally went to a cross for our sin, yours and mine, and He nailed those sins to a cross, and then He rose again victorious so that we don't have to have the penalty of the sin we have committed because He it was the penalty, and He went to the cross. Praise the Lord. That's what this whole thing is about. That's what it's all about. That's why we do what we do. Let's stand together. Let's pray to the Lord. Father, I pray right now for every single person in this place. Everyone. God, there's some here that are going to have hard-headed, cantankerous family members. I pray, God, that you'll give them the ability to show grace. I pray, Lord, that in the midst of it, when it's so hard, difficult, we have angry people in our families, Lord, let us show them love. Let us show them the light of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that as distractions and lights and glitter and food and festivities might distract us and might deflect us from what the reason and purpose of this season is, God, I pray that we will remember why we are celebrating. Let us never forget that. And I pray that in every home here, every home represented in this place, that there will be a special blessing today, tomorrow, through this week, Lord, as we celebrate the, the, the season, the time of the, of the, that we celebrate the birth of our Savior, I ask, God, that your blessings will be upon each and every home and each and every family member. And I thank you and praise you and give you glory in the name of our risen King. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.